We believe the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is a restoration of the original Church established by Jesus Christ, which was built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. We declare to the world that the fullness of the gospel has been restored to the earth. We declare with boldness that the keys of the priesthood have been restored to man. We declare to the world that this is the day referred to by biblical prophets as the latter days. It is the final time before the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ to rule and reign on the earth. Yeah, section 10 is is basically about how the 116 pages that were lost didn't need to be retranslated because they kind of were finishing and they were like, hey, should we go back and retranslate that? And they say, and the Lord tells them, no, don't worry about that. It's covered. I know what I'm doing. I've got this figured out. Does I mean, that's... Does it ever say that it was called the Book of Lehi? Where have I heard that? Is that just I've heard that as, temporary? <laughs> I've heard that as well, but I don't know where I got that from. I'm trying to look in in here, see if it says something about that. Okay, it says, this is in uh, Joseph Smith's Revelations, done by the Joseph Smith Papers. It says, in early 1828, Joseph Smith, then living in Harmony, Pennsylvania, began translating the gold plates with the assistance of various scribes, principally Martin Harris. Working from mid-April to mid-June, Joseph Smith and Harris prepared a manuscript which Joseph Smith referred to as the Book of Lehi. At Harris's insistent pleading, Joseph Smith allowed him to take the manuscript to show to selected family members in Palmyra, New York. So it must be, I don't know that there was ever like a, a revelation where it was referred to that way, but he must have been referring to it that way in letters or something like that, where he was talking about working on the Book of Lehi. And th that was the 116 pages that they took. And it was a more of a historical account of what happened to Lehi's family than a spiritual account. And what we end up with is the book of Nephi, which is a lot more of the spiritual stuff than the historical stuff. And while I'm sure that it was a huge setback, and obviously they were disobedient in you know, pursuing uh, lending these 116 pages like we discussed before, the Lord's pointing out here in section 10 that I, I know what's going on. I know what's going to happen. There are contingencies planned for this type of thing. Even though we lost that section, Nephi also was keeping his small plates. And from the small plates, we still get the same story, plus a lot more of the spiritual aspects of that added on. So it's interesting, this section, how, how it basically says, like, Satan's going to do stuff to mess up and oppose the Lord's work, but nothing can stop it. Like it will, it will always come to fruition. Also, in verse three and four of, of section 10, I really, really liked those because it says, basically, this is after Joseph has kind of done his penance, right? He's, he's repented for having disobeyed the Lord and given Martin those 116 pages. And it says in verse 3, Nevertheless, it is now restored unto you again. Therefore, see that you are faithful and continue unto the finishing of the remainder of the work of translation as you have begun. 
So he gets the gift of translation back, which was taken from him for a time. Everything was taken from him for a time. It was kind of like, look, you you went through with this, even though I told you twice in a row, no, you keep you kept pushing and you need to take a break and rethink what you're doing here. And he did. And to me, that shows that not only is a prophet capable of making a mistake he needs to repent from, but that all of us are too. And every time that we make a mistake, and maybe we have to take a step back and take a time out and not be so, I, I can get back at it. I can, I can still be involved. No, maybe you need to take time and not be involved for a while. And that's a good thing, right? We look at that sometimes as, you know, a, a huge embarrassment or something to not take the sacrament or to not be able to share your testimony for a while if you've committed a, a sin that the bishop determines that that's part of the repentance process. And it, it is kind of humbling, right? But in the end, the objective is that you can kind of take that time to realize what it's like to not have those blessings and to realize what it's going to take to get back to where you were before. And when you come back and you can take that the sacrament again or you can participate fully again, uh, that's a tremendous blessing to be able to have that back and to savor that again. And then verse 4. Do not run faster or labor more than you have strength and means provided to enable you to translate, but be diligent unto the end. Verse 5, pray always that you may come off conqueror, yea, that you may conquer Satan and that you may escape the hands of the servants of Satan that do uphold his work. Behold, they have sought to destroy you, yea, even the man in whom you have trusted has sought to destroy you. This is, to me, it's like, if you want to know how to avoid these problems again, if you don't want to fall back into this situation where we have to take away the gift, or in our in our case, it may be you've violated the spirit, and so you, you lose the spirit for a while, or you kind of lose that direct connection for a little bit. Pray always. Don't stop. Don't, don't you become the reason that the connection is severed, right? Don't distance yourself from the Lord. That's not the answer. The answer is to... Pray always that you may come off conqueror. You know, it says don't labor more than you have strength. Sometimes you're trying to do too much and you're just glazing over the things that you're actually capable of doing. And uh, I think that those were really good guidance for someone who's trying to increase or reestablish their connection with Heavenly Father and with the Spirit. It's interesting how the Lord gives counsel where oftentimes if we look at the counsel... I don't know, if we look at things out of context, we can miss the point, you know, that he's trying to make. And that's why I think sometimes he speaks in parables or, or uses a lot of symbolism. is so we are more um, thoughtful. Because if he tells us out, outright, I think we tend to grab that answer and then apply it to everything as opposed to studying it out in our mind and using wisdom and using the gift of revelation. revelation. That's something that's really stuck out to me in these first sections this year is how the gift of revelation isn't what I thought it was, which is, hey, I have a question, give me an answer type of thing. It's more, hey, I have a question, what is the best information I have that I can gather? What is the, what the Lord has told me to do? What is the best plan I can make? And then I take it to the Lord and he either will sharpen my mind or he will create a stupor of thought where I now 
I, this isn't settling right, so I need to move on and try something else. Okay. Um, and there's something really interesting with this uh, run faster than you are able in the in the institute manual. It just I like how it puts it here because it says now that the prophet Joseph Smith had begun again to receive the Urim and Thummim and the plates, perhaps he felt that he needed to make up for lost time. The Lord, however, counseled him not to run faster nor labor more than he had strength. The same counsel was given by King Benjamin in the Book of Mormon. After giving his people an extensive discourse on the attributes of a saint, he said, quote, and see that all these things are done in wisdom and order, for it is not requisite that man should run faster than he has strength. And again, it is expedient that he should be diligent, that thereby he might win the prize. Therefore, all things must be done in order. And then it says, in the Lord's counsel to the prophet Joseph Smith, and in King Benjamin's counsel to the Nephites, the emphasis is on diligence and direction rather than on speed in climbing the path to exaltation. Overzealous effort without wisdom and patience leads to errors. Well, I really like that because I think, I don't know, it's almost like the, the thought of moderation in all things. Like even good things need to be moderated. Yeah. You know? um, we always think moderation in all things and we automatically think Coca-Cola. <laughs> Or, or that drink you like, or whatever, right? Or pizza, or, you know. But it's also in good things. To overdo something to an extreme can lead to errors, this overselleth effort, which I think speaks a lot to the current climate, social, political, religious, all these phases we're living through right now, where people are arguing from a very extreme points of view. And then there are even individuals who are taking extreme gospel points of view, which I think is an error. So how do we stay moderate? It's it's not a call to not have effort or be lazy. Right. It's also not a call to be diligent, therefore abandon everything and, and focus on, on, you know, if you're not reading the scriptures, you know, 24-7 at the exclusion of everything else, then, then you're not going to get it. It's a balance. Yeah, it, it's the idea that as mortals, we will get burned out or we'll get bored of something. And if Joseph had said, okay, we got the, the ability to translate back, we're going to double our efforts, we're going to triple our efforts, I'm going to rotate scribes so they can sleep and write, and I'm just going to stay up all the time and do this, like, like you said, there, there's a chance that they're going to make mistakes. There's a chance that they're going to not give it the respect, the work, the respect it deserved. And so the Lord is saying, look, I know that you may be tempted to work faster or work harder or whatever. Just be consistent and be constant. And I think that's really the message of that. It's not so much, okay, you need to lift 500 pounds or run a marathon. It's be consistent and be constant in your efforts to improve and to do as much as you can. And you'll see that eventually you can lift that much or you can run that far, but it's not going to happen right away. And we have to remember that Joseph Smith and everyone around him, they're still like in their spiritual infancy, you know, they're like still in, they know very little about the doctrine and they're still learning all of this as they go. 
that's why they keep having to stop and go ask questions because they're they're running across things that they don't know about or they're encountering situations that are new to them and the lord's kind of walking them through this holding their hand walking them through all of this process and he's basically saying like don't don't try to bite off more than you can chew like just do this assignment do carry this out to the best of your ability and you'll you'll get more there will be more to come he even promises them you know if if you continue to do this i will establish my church if things go well i will establish my church and he's telling them you're going to be instrumental in this he's also telling them like in verse 20 uh, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that Satan has great hold upon their hearts. He stirreth them up to iniquity against that which is good. And their hearts are corrupt and full of wickedness and abominations. And they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Therefore, they will not ask of me. Satan stirreth them up that he may lead their souls to destruction. And thus he has laid a cunning plan, thinking to destroy the work of God. But I will require this at their hands, and it shall, be, and it shall turn to their shame and condemnation in the day of judgment. So he's saying there are people out there that are are heavily influenced by Satan to try and get in the way of this work. You need to be aware that while you're doing all of this and while you're translating and while you're working to build this up again, there are people who are trying, trying, actively trying to thwart you. The 116 pages, he even warns them. Verse 31. Well, in verse 30. <laughs> behold, I say unto you that you that you shall not translate again these words which have gone forth out of your hands. For behold, they shall not accomplish their evil designs in lying against those words. For behold, if you should bring forth the same words, they will say that you have lied, and that you have pretended to translate, but that you have con contradicted yourself. And behold, they will publish this, and Satan will harden the hearts of the people to stir them up anger against you, that, you, that they will not believe my words." Thus Satan thinketh to overpower your testimony in this generation, and the work may not come forth in this generation. He's telling them there's people meaning to to diminish what you're doing, to contradict what you're doing, and to try and thwart you. And they, if you retranslate all of this, they have altered the 116 pages that they got. And they'll publish that as an alteration. And then they'll say, look, look we got these from him, and now he's saying this, and they contradict, so this guy's a fraud. <laughs> well, I think about if I were those people, what are you getting out of this? Like, why would you go through all this trouble? Why can't you just leave the saints alone and just as an, you know? But it's it goes back to what you were saying. Like, Satan stirs up the hearts of man to have fear and to feel threatened and to feel like if we allow this person to claim this unchallenged and we see that people believe it and flock to him, one, we lose power. One, he then can tell us what to do. Like, you know, he puts lies and fears inside of people's minds. So they feel threatened, so then now they need to attack. Another really interesting verse is um, verse 63. There, that there may not be so much contention, yea, Satan doth stir up in the hearts of the people to contention concerning the points of my doctrine. And in these things they do err, for they do rest the scriptures and do not understand them. And one thing that I think is very off-putting of people who claim to follow Christ is when they use his teachings to kind of beat up on others yeah. and, or to, to uh, use them in error. And the thought that I've had, especially in this section, where 
there's a lot of emphasis in the in the lesson that Satan tries to destroy God's work and the Lord's kingdom will prevail and the Lord knows this. The thought that the, the thought that comes to me is how much the Savior is the good shepherd. How he his customer service is amazing, you know? Like if you <laughs> it's almost like if if he were like um like a like a trail guide, he would say, Okay, here's the map. Here's where we're going. This area is one where you really need to have your, your climbing gear on right because there's a risk of falling here. But don't worry, we have these ropes. Please follow the rules. And the next area is like around here, there's a lot of sunshine. Please wear your hats and I've provided some stations where you can get some sunblock. You know? <laughs> around here, most people get thirsty. So it's good for you to rest. And here we'll have some water and stuff. But we, like obstinate children, are like, I know what I'm doing, and you just take off. And right. then you get in trouble, and then you're like, why am I broken at the bottom of this cliff? Why didn't God warn me? <laughs> and it's like, well, one, you didn't show up for orientation. Two, you didn't come to the practice sessions. Three, you ignored the signs. And, and four, now that you're at the bottom of the pit, you're mad that someone didn't, you know, and it's like, that's what these scriptures, that's what these lessons. So if with Joseph and Oliver and the early saints, he's saying, look, this is what's going to happen. And as great as I'm telling you all of this is, look at there will be opposition. There will be people that will, will strive to, to thwart the work. And all of those manuscripts and things that are of sacred value, yeah, they'll even go to the length of altering them to use them against you. So I know you're sorry, and I'm sorry too, because I'm really... You know, I, you can understand. I didn't want you to do that. Right. But now it's time to move on. And we have a contingency plan and let's keep going. Type of thing. I don't know. It just seems really practical and really like, I don't know, thoughtful to. I appreciate any leader that not only lays out the plan, the whole from beginning to end, but also goes as far as to tell you this is what it's going to feel like when you're at this step. And when you feel these things, it's not time to give up. It's time to, to work a little bit harder or it's time to rest. Or even Joseph, like when it, when it says, maybe he felt the need to make up for lost time. <laughs> you know? And he says, right now is not the time for that. Right now is the time to make sure you just follow the rules. Don't run faster than you need to. Because yeah. that, that even that good effort of, of wanting to just, I just got to do more can lead you into error. Or, or I, I owe it to make it up to the Lord to show him my commitment by pulling all-nighters and whatever. And he's like, look, that's not necessary, okay? Like, what you do need to do is follow what I say when I say it and not question me three times. Because that didn't turn out so well. You've repented from that, now let's move forward. And I think it's really cool that, uh, starting in verse 42, he can, he, the Lord is speaking to him still and says, And now behold, you shall publish it as the record of Nephi, and I will confound those who have altered my words. I will not suffer they shall destroy my work. Yea, I will show unto them that my wisdom is greater than the cunning of the devil. Even, even though the devil is working against you, even though Satan is trying to inspire people to bring you down, I, I have all this figured out. And I am more powerful and more knowledgeable than Satan. So I got this. You just need to trust me enough to rely on me and to not rely on man. And then he goes on, verse 44, 
For behold, they have got, they've only got a part or an abridgment of the account of Nephi. Behold, there are many things engraven upon the plates of Nephi, which do throw greater views upon my gospel. Therefore, it is wisdom in me that you should translate this first part of the engravings of Nephi as sent forth in, my, in this work. And behold, all the remainder of this work does contain all the parts of my gospel, which my holy prophets, yea, and also my disciples desired in their prayers should come forth unto this people. We're not going to be missing anything. And in, in some ways, I think it could come across like, so what was the big deal then? Right? So he lent the 116 pages and they got lost. And he made a big deal about punishing Joseph by taking away the the power to translate, and yet this was all covered in the first place? Like, then what was the big deal with losing the 116 pages? But the Lord's pointing out, the big deal is that you need to listen. You need to obey. There's going to be a lot of situations going forward where people are going to try and take advantage of you. People are going to try to thwart this work. And the only way that this is going to progress and move forward is if you listen and follow exactly. If you start to question things this is more a lesson for for Joseph and those around him than it is necessarily, you know, whether or not we would have that information in the Book of Mormon. We're, we were going to get it anyway. And really, the Lord could have said, okay, well, we didn't get that writing. Here's the revelation of what it said. Da -da 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 -da. Right? He could have given it to us in any way. Instead, he's, he used this as a teaching experience for them to say, look, Going forward, you're going to have to pay attention. You're going to have to obey with exactness. Because if not, it brings a lot of, a lot of what Satan's trying to do uh, can become possible in some ways. It's funny that you mentioned that, like that, because I was thinking, what are they being prepared for right now? They're being prepared for the priesthood. You know, that's coming next week. <laughs> we'll be receiving the Orion priesthood. And with that, they'll be receiving... Uh, the ordinance of baptism, you know, yeah. and even when they receive that, that's not it. That's not everything. Then they're to prepare for the Melchizedek priesthood and the gift of the Holy Ghost, and then the temple covenants, uh, endowment and sealing power, you know. And so it's like, why do you need to be obey in this sense? Why why is this so important? Because this builds. We build upon this foundation to give you more responsibility. It's almost like I think about my kid. If I can't trust him to come home at a certain time for dinner, then it's kind of out of the question, can you borrow the car to, you know, drive somewhere with your friends, you know? And and although we hope to get there and we're going to train our children to not be dependent on us and, and we want to build their capability and all that, it's as a parent, you can't move to the next level of responsibility unless they know the first one, right? If they're sitting there sticking paper clips into power outlets, <laughs> it's not time to in the garage, right? right. You know, it's like not in, and I feel like sometimes we miss that point. We, we're so eager, and I see this myself all the time. Like I'm so eager to know something or to learn something or to be trusted in something. But I forget or and then I make mistakes and then, you know, and that it's normal. But imagine that the Lord is taking what the most important thing at this time for all the inhabitants of the earth is the restoration of his gospel, the return of his covenant and his priesthood and, and his the kingdom over earth here. 
and he's having to literally coach these individuals step by step through these examples. Everything is a teaching opportunity. And I come to that like the good shepherd. It's very different how we see the mistakes in our children because one, we have already decided we're never going to give up on them. We're going to do the best we can. And in doing that, we alter our teaching style. We even alter ourselves to make sure that we can have the right tools to teach them. In, in section 11, the this is a revelation that's given to Joseph Smith's brother Hiram. And it's interesting because his Joseph Smith's father, Joseph Smith Sr., got a revelation in section 4, um, basically telling him, anybody who's willing to be involved in this work, anybody who's uh, who wants to, has the righteous desire to contribute, you're called to the work. And then it wasn't much later that the prophet's other brother, Samuel, went to go and visit, and um, he was actually baptized. This was after they received the priesthood, the Aaronic priesthood. He was baptized, and he was converted to to the gospel and to follow. It says um, in Joseph Smith's Revelations, um, by the Joseph Smith papers, it says, Samuel made another visit to Harmony, during which he was convinced of the truthfulness of the work and was baptized by Cowdery. Joseph Smith's history states that Samuel then returned to his father's house, greatly glorifying and praising God, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not many days afterwards, my brother Hiram came to us to inquire concerning these things. And this revelation followed. And I think what he's, what it's, what's happening, he was very close to his brother Hiram, very close. And I think what's happening is <laughs> his father got a revelation. Now Samuel's had this, basically this full conversion to this is the truth. And I think Hiram was like, okay, now I want to know where do I stand? What, what should I be doing? Because I feel like I may not be as involved as I want to be, or I haven't received that kind of straight up testimony that Samuel has. And so he goes and, and asks, and he gets section 11. And um, in the Joseph Smith's Revelations book, it goes on, the next paragraph. Although Joseph Smith Sr. had been told, if ye have desires to serve God, ye are called to the work. The revelation to Hiram qualified that message and cautioned him that ye need not suppose that you are called to preach until you are, you are called. He was instructed to wait until his knowledge was deeper and the translation of the plates was completed. The revelation identified its source as Jesus Christ and told Hiram to put his trust in that spirit, spirit which leadeth to do good. So on one hand, anyone who's called to the work should get started. And on the other hand, in this particular instance, Hiram's being told, you know what? Yes, you're going to be involved in this, but wait till you're called. And I think what that tells us is it's not a contradiction. In my mind, that's not a contradiction. In my mind, that's specific revelation for an individual, right? Generally, yes, you should become involved. How you're involved may vary. Hiram is definitely going to be involved in the gospel. He's helping his brother. He's helping those around him to come closer to the truth. But to become, you know, to preach and all of that, not yet, right? You need to know a little bit more first. And I think you see that a lot of times with people, they they gain a testimony or they, they're, and they want to get out there and share it immediately. And that's great. But at the same time, it's like, you need to have a firm foundation, right? I think also he, the Lord is also trying to tell them, don't be like the preachers around you. Right. You know, in their time, 
this is a really good quote about this from President Joseph Fielding Smith. He says, it is quite the common thing in the world for men to assume authority and to act in the name of the Lord when he has not called them. No man is authorized to act in the name of the Lord or to officiate in any ordinance unless he has been properly called. For this reason, the priesthood was restored and the church organized. When this revelation was given, the church had not been organized. Presumably, some of those who sought light in the will of the Lord felt, felt that when the Lord spoke to them. They were authorized to go forth and act in his name. Hence, he informs Hiram Smith that he has to wait. And I think that's that's interesting because the church wasn't yet organized. This is very different from when you're set apart, you're giving the priesthood, and then you're given a calling. But but I think the Lord is also trying to teach the church that we are not like all these other churches. When they, they get moved around, moved about, and all of a sudden I'm a preacher, I'll start my own congregation. Yeah, he, he tells him, that right after he tells him, you know, wait until you're called, he says, wait a little longer until you, you shall have my word, my rock, my church, and my gospel, that you may know of a surety of my doctrine. And then, behold, according to your desires, yea, even according to your faith shall it be done unto you. Keep my commandments. Hold your peace. Appeal unto my spirit. Yea, cleave unto me with all your heart, that you may assist in bringing to light those things which, of which have, has been spoken. Yea, the translation of my work. Be patient until you shall accomplish it. Behold, this is your work, to keep my commandments. Yea, with all your might, mind, and strength. So he's telling him, for right now, your work is to follow the commandments and to cleave unto me, which, you know, that's kind of old old school talk for what I, I feel like that means strengthen your testimony. Try to understand me better. Interact with me more. And then he says in verse uh, 21, seek not to declare my word, but first seek to obtain my word. And then shall your tongue be loosed. Then if you desire, you shall have my spirit and my word, yea, the power of God unto the convincing of men. But now hold your peace, he says it again. Study my word, which hath gone forth among the children of men. And also study my word, which shall come forth among the children of men, or that which is now translating. Yea, until you have obtained all which I shall grant to the children of men in this generation, and then shall all things be added thereto. Telling him, look, I, your, your, your tongue will be loosed. But first you need to study. And first, you, that hold your peace, he says it twice. I, and I wonder what that means. What does he mean by that? Hold your peace. It, it kind of, to me, it means like, don't, don't be frustrated by this. To me, I think, don't think you know better. Yeah. It's almost like, this sounds really simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. I, that's what I hear. But that's probably based on my personality. <laughs> Yeah, to me, I'm thinking, like, if if the Lord said that to me, if I'm like, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go out there, and he's like, you know what, hold your peace. It, it's kind of like telling me, don't be frustrated by the fact that you think you're ready, and I'm telling you you're not. Don't be, don't be angry about that. Don't feel like he didn't understand me. Just, under, just be, have peace in the knowledge that this will happen, and that you will be utilized for the preaching of the gospel. But here's what I want you to do in the meantime. Follow commandments, be righteous, and study, right? So that when 
I do unleash you as, to preach to people, you'll be a juggernaut. You'll know exactly what you're talking about. You'll you'll have the gospel and the doctrine down. If I re- if that happens now, if you were to go out now, you're not ready. But don't be don't feel discouraged by that. And I think that's really that's what I feel feel from it. And that, like you said, that's probably my personality too, because I would think like, okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. And the Lord's saying, no, you're not ready yet. But don't be discouraged. Don't feel embarrassed by that. It's okay. Here's what I want you to do in the meantime, and now stand by, you know, because I'm going to, this will happen, just not, not not yet. You know, something interesting in verse 26, where he says, treasure up in your hearts until the time which is in my wisdom that you shall go forth. And it's almost like continue preparing, and because you're not going forth now, it doesn't mean you cast off this desire or you stop studying and it's almost like and that's why we say he is the master he's the one at the helm (laughs) we're the ones rowing we're the ones repairing the sails we're the ones getting ready and it's the captain that has the timing because he knows the strategy and so and that's part of like trust in the lord you know it's simple scriptures we say oh trust in the lord yes of course i trust in the lord it's like well do you have trust to hold your peace you have trust to that that this doesn't disillusion you, that because it's not at the time or in the way that you can just, you know, I, I was, and it, I don't know, it really struck me that phrase, treasure up in your hearts. So I did a little quick search on, at the, on the church website, just in Doctrine and Covenants. It, treasure up is here 11 times, seven in the Book of Mormon, three in you know, a whole bunch of places. But, um, Doctrine Covenants 11, treasure up for uh, in your souls, treasure up for his soul, everlasting salvation, treasure up, treasure up wisdom in your bosom. Oh, here's the, here's the, uh, what is it, the scripture mastery. Uh, Neither take ye thought beforehand what you shall say, but treasure up in your minds continuously the words of life, and it shall be given you in the very hour of fortune which is needed unto you. I mean, all of us as missionaries have clung on to that scripture, like for dear. Uh, section 4334, treasure up these things in your heart. It's this thought, like, what does that mean to treasure up in your heart? I think it's to constantly be thinking about these things. Use these, I don't know, spectacles to look at life through these glasses. Look at things through this new perspective. Through your heart, treasure up these truths. Like, and if you do that, then I think the counsel will make sense. But if we don't treasure these things in our heart, if we don't keep them alive, like our testimony, and and we feed, it's almost like, and it's so simple how Christ always used metaphors of like an everlasting water or or never-ending thirst or or quenchable, unquenchable thirst where you won't thirst again. A lot of like uh, feed you the bread of life but if you eat this, you will never hunger again. You'll never thirst again. Like these things that we so commonly know every day, 90%, well, for me, 90% of my mental effort is like, what am I going to eat for lunch? What am I going to eat later again? Well, how am I planning my meals? Like, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and if and if we take that approach to the gospel, if we think, what am I studying right now? What did the scripture say last night about this what what was it trying to what does how does that apply to my life now 
What are the things stressing me out? How can I look through the scriptures to find solutions to that? Or how can I run away, like not run away, but how can I get away from my worldly concerns and put a pause on that and start thinking about the bigger picture? And as you do that, I think that's what you're doing when you're treasuring up these things. Like yeah. it becomes a treasure. It takes the majority of the real estate and you protect it so then you're not feeding things that hurt your treasure. You're not allowing your treasure just sitting out there in the open. You're also not tossing it to people who aren't going to appreciate it. But you, your treasure, it's like if you were to protect treasure, man. Like, I don't know how else to say. You know? <laughs> you protect yeah. it, you guard it, you add to it. I also think in terms of, like, obviously this re revelation is to Hiram Smith specifically, but it's in the scriptures, and the Lord is speaking to all of us through him. And I think of the times when in my life when I haven't had a calling, I've been living in a ward and I haven't had a calling. And I feel like I have something to offer to the ward. I, I have ways I can contribute, but I don't have a calling. And there was one time when I went like two, three years without a calling for no particular reason other than just other people had them. And I was kind of a little bit discouraged by that because it was like, why am I even here? There's a tendency to think like, whether I'm at church or not, it doesn't matter because I'm not doing anything. You know, I'm just kind of there. I make comments, but like, what purpose do I serve? And I think in those moments are the biggest moments for personal growth. I think that's a, a time when the Lord is saying, like he said to Hiram, not yet. I don't need you yet. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be actively growing your testimony, actively building on your foundation. You You definitely should be studying the scriptures and so that when it is your turn when you are called on when you are needed in this capacity you're ready you know instead of just kind of being like well i don't have a calling so i just get to skate by no you should be just as actively involved in the gospel as if you had a calling um, there's a tendency to think that the only people that matter are the only people that have to do anything are the people who have a responsibility but he's he's Telling Hiram directly, you know, your responsibility is to keep the commandments, first of all, stay righteous, right? Don't lose your worthiness. And then second of all, study, learn, grow, develop your testimony, learn my gospel and the doctrine. This is your time to do that, because in, in a short while, I'm going to call on you to be a missionary, I'm going to call on you to be a preacher, I'm going to call on you to be a leader in this church, and I need to have somebody who's ready for that. And you're not there yet, and you will be soon. And I, I think that's comforting to know that we're always in need of development. We're always in need of growth, no matter what. There's something that um, one of the young men's leaders told me before I left on my mission. And it didn't make sense at the time. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and, but then once I got on the mission, then I remember what he said, and it made a lot of sense. He, he said, you can always be doing one of these three things. And if you can do more than one, the better, right? But one, always build your area. If you can't build your area, build your companion. If you can't build your companion, build yourself. And and it's funny because there's different areas. There's some areas that are just like there was no progress. We couldn't get investigate. You know, it was just we, you know, or the members weren't working, whatever, right? And it was like, okay, then let's study. Let's prepare mm -hmm. ourselves. And then there were some times when you and your companion maybe didn't mix well. And instead of dwelling on that and getting contention, move on and 
build the area or build yourself. You, you know what I mean? And, yep. and I kind of think sometimes we, we, especially because all those things are righteous desires. Hiram here, he's not, he's probably in his heart. He's looking for one of the best things ever you could ever wish for. <laughs> but the answer right now is no. Yep. And that happens to us all the time. Like, I have a good desire. I want to, I want to meet a person or I want to have a better job or I want to have a home or I want to have a kid or I want to, you know, something, right? Get over this health sickness or help someone or, or, or even when it's, and it's even harder when it's dependent on someone else's agency. Oh, I wish my kid would do this, or I wish my, you know, so-and-so, you know, and their heart desires. But it's like, don't give up. Build yourself. I, I think there's a, there's a distinct desire. The Lord gives us the truth. And when we see truth, we see points of improvement more clearly than any time before. But when we're aligned with him, those deficits or those need for improvements do not become overbearing to the point where we give up. There are times like in the Book of Mormon, like when Alma is saying, oh, these wicked people, here we go again. How long do I need to, how long, Lord, will you suffer your servant to be here amongst these ingrates, basically, <laughs> right? Yeah. There's that, but then there's like, okay, but guys, let's fast, let's get ready, and let's get at it again. And that's okay. We can feel those feelings. And I think it's the same thing with like things that make us sad or depress us. It's okay. It's okay, but feel through them. Go through it. And then go get, go use your agency. I think what happens when, when the world, when we use the world's tactics and not the Lord, align with the Lord is we reach difficulties and most of the time people it's like the children of Israel they want to set up camp here have we gone far enough no the promised land is over there yeah yeah but we ran out of food or, or we're in or like with Nephi we're in the land bountiful there's a lot of good stuff here let's just take it no we have to build a boat <laughs> you know there will always be temptations to to stop pushing to stop progressing and there are, there are times, where, like for Nephi and his family, the land bountiful was a great blessing. They needed that rest. They just got out of a desert. But you're not done yet. And I think in our lives, there is no, I don't mean this disrespectful, but there is no retirement from the gospel. We're asked to always progress. There's always something. And like that phrase said, it isn't, um, it isn't the speed but the direction and our consistency that's important in the in the sunday school manual there's a quote by sister julie b beck the former relief society general president she said the ability to qualify for receive and act on personal revelation is the single most important skill that can be acquired in this life and really what the lord is telling hiram to do is not only prepare to be able to teach but also learn how to receive personal revelation by being righteous, by following the commandments, by by maintaining that worthiness, and then by studying to know what questions to ask and to know the doctrine well enough to ask the right questions, then you can qualify yourself, you can receive and act on 
She says it's the most important skill that can be acquired in this life. And I, I fully agree with that because the times when I have received personal revelation about deep questions that I have or matters that are very important to me, it has provided me with a strength and guidance that I desperately needed at that time. And the times when I have maybe not been worthy of it or haven't been willing to act on it, you can tell when you're when you're kind of acting on your own, when you're kind of just doing your own thing, that it's a lot harder struggle. You're trying to figure things out. You're trying to do things on your own without necessarily following or seeking out the guidance of the Lord. And uh, you can do it, but it's definitely a lot harder. And you kind of are guessing along the way. Why do that? Why do that? When you have this tremendous ability, this resource to go to the Lord and say, here's where I'm at. This is what I think I should be doing. This is what I... I think that would benefit you and me. Am, am I on the right track here? And even just to get that kind of carry on, you're doing the right thing, or no, I, I think you ought to relook at this. Just that kind of guidance is enough to to give you a lot more satisfaction in life and a lot more joy. Let us be awake and not be wary of well-doing, for we are laying the foundation of a great work even preparing for the return of the Savior. My dear brothers and sisters, Jesus Christ invites us to take the covenant path back home to our heavenly parents and be with those we love. He invites us to come, follow me.